Hi, everyone. This is Mitch Ashley with DevOps.com, and you're listening to another DevOps Chat Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Hasib Budhani, CEO and co-founder of Rafe. Our topic today is lifecycle management for containerized apps. Hasib, welcome to DevOps Chat. Mitch, uh, thanks for having me. Great nice to talk to you. Yeah, nice to talk with you. Always love talking with a fellow entrepreneur. Would you start by just introducing yourself, a little bit about your history, what you do, and a little bit about Rafe? Absolutely. So Rafe, the company, is uh, slightly under two years old at this point. We have a product available in the market that a number of customers are using, uh, which essentially helps them simplify the ongoing operations and lifecycle management for their containerized applications, which they may be running in public cloud, hybrid environments, or any combination uh, thereof. Fundamentally, there is a brunt of work that every company does as it relates to ongoing management of their containerized apps. You know, essentially, they build a platform internally on top of Kubernetes, and our pitch is, hey, why are you spending time rebuilding the, the kind of reinventing the same wheel over and over again in every company? Let us help you uh, with our solution, which focuses on the repetitive effort that every company goes through so that you, uh, Mr. DevOps engineer, can focus on the true value that your company is looking for out there. So you focus on company value. We'll help you solve for the repetitive work that you have to do anyway. Very good. Now, you uh, you started this company after selling your prior company, Saha Systems, to Akamai. I think you took about a year before you jumped out and started Rafe. And t- so why did you pick this particular problem? What was it about? Is it something that you experienced in you know, Akamai and your prior company or just as you were uh, kind of taking that time to really think about what you wanted to do next? Why did you pick this space? Yeah, I, you know, Akamai, um, uh, it was... Surprisingly, you know, a lot of my friends uh, who've, who've kind of seen uh, exits, you know, kind of they talk about the acquiring company. It was tough and, you know, I didn't like the experience or whatever. I actually had a lot of fun at Akamai. It was, you know, it wasn't as stressful as it used to be. I mean, you know how stressful startups are. So it was a, a pain-free experience, really. Uh, you know, incredible sales organization. They really understood our product, took us to this whole new level. But... Um, you know, sometimes an idea gets stuck in your head and it's just impossible to just to, to walk away from it. Um, so in our prior startup, so pre-acquisition by Akamai, we, uh, we were practitioners of the problem that we are trying to address. So essentially we were the customer. Um, some of our colleagues at Soha were effectively building a platform like the one I just described, mm-hmm. wherein, you know, we were... Uh, uh, kind of writing in this layer on top of uh, container orchestration so that we could be running our application across many locations. So at the, at the time of exit, we ran, uh, I, mean, I don't know, somewhere between 20 and 30 pops globally across multiple cloud providers, just so we could have our uh, cloud-based security platform at Soha running in a number of locations globally. And it was very, very painful. And I think at that point, we didn't realize, you know, when you're building a platform, when you're so focused on the core value, which is the security, you know, this DevOps thing is important, but um, you don't spend as much time strategically thinking about it. And that, after the acquisition by Akamai, uh, Hemant, my, my co-founder at Soha, and, and also here at Rafe, we spent a lot of time thinking about this. Like, why, why did we have the experience we did? Um, because it was not a good experience. And, and then we thought about, well, who else has this problem? 
it turns out everybody has this problem where anybody building a SaaS platform or running applications in the cloud, uh, particularly when it comes to containerized apps, because the, the, the community is so new, uh, there's a whole lot of uh, supporting cast, if you will, missing. And it's going to come. It just right now it's missing because it's so new. And that got us thinking, well, somebody's got to solve this problem. You know, and when you kind of look around and say, somebody's got to solve this problem and nobody raises their hand, maybe you should do it. So that got us thinking, well, we, should, we need to go solve this problem. So we left. And uh, I'm sure both of our wives were very unhappy when we said we were going to leave Akamai. <laughs> but, uh, but no, it, it was a worthy cause. And, uh, you know, we're very happy we left because we solved a really important problem for the community. Well, Congratulations for starting a, starting another startup. I think it's one of those kind of in your blood type of things. So, uh, so talk a little bit about um, what's unique about Rafa. I'm, I'm assuming you took some of the same problems that you you experienced of what you built at Soha, and then probably along the way said, "Hey, you know what? This might be a good idea for a product for containers and containerized apps." And I think I, I would just add to the to the conversation by saying, as you start to build larger and larger containerized apps, you realize what some of the management challenges really are around it. And so that's, you know, born out of that as new opportunity. I'm assuming you had some, a similar kind of experience. So exactly right. You know, you, you read some blogs about, you know, like Kubernetes and uh, well, it makes things look very easy. Uh, you can get something up on my laptop. I'm like, oh, look, I have uh, a Kubernetes cluster running on my laptop. Isn't this easy? <laughs> no. When you run it in production with multiple applications, it's hard. And everybody knows it. This is not, this is not new information. But the challenge is that because there is as yet no manual for this, we only learn by doing. So we have to kind of jump into this and we start building stuff. And then we go, oh, this is hard. And then by that time, we already have pretty large teams in most companies who are working on this. And... Um, well, that's, 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 the, that's, the, that's the problem, and, of course, that is uh, the opportunity also. Uh, here, here's a better way to think about this. So because of our experience at, at Soha, some things we recognized. Not everybody in our team uh, we could train to be experts at the platform. Mm-hmm. Some people are experts, and most people are not going to be. And this is very typical in most companies. You have a DevOps team of 5, 7, 10, 20 people uh, who build a platform, and then another hundreds or thousands of engineers, depending on the size of the company, may be consuming the platform. Because they should need to understand this. They need an abstraction layer. Mm-hmm. That, that was a key insight for us, uh, having spent time talking to companies, you know, once we were out kind of looking at, you know, what do we do next? So everybody seems to need some notion of an abstraction layer. So that uh, I, as a developer, I check in code and just magically my application shows up somewhere. I don't want to think about this underlying complexity. And the second thing that we saw, which VMware, surprisingly, validated two weeks ago when they did a bunch of announcements at uh, VMware, was that nobody's running a single cluster. Mm-hmm. It may start with a single cluster. And because it's easy, they keep adding nodes to that cluster. But the practical approach to running clusters is it runs many small clusters. And VMware spent a lot of time talking about this idea of many small clusters. So, which, so that implies solving for um, uh, multi-cluster operations, multi-cluster federation is a critical thing. And that is, continues to be a gap in the community right now. Um, there are a number of uh, approaches that have been taken to solve for multi-cluster federation in the community. Uh, but, um, and you know, a lot of companies have, have talked about this, there are tools that, exi- that exist out there to solve this problem, but fundamentally they make certain assumptions that are not borne out in practice. 
Um, and that was a unique thing that we saw as a gap. And, uh, you know, we addressed it very elegantly in our platform. There's a number of other things we do. For example, I'll, I'll give you another example. Uh, and and as, I, as anybody listening to this, this podcast, as you hear these examples, uh, uh, you know, you may kind of look back to your experiences and go, yeah, I've, I've, I've faced this. Um, so you bring up a cluster. And let's say, let's say you are a, some e-commerce company. So you need some clusters that need to be PCI ready or at least PCI compliant. Mm-hmm. Some clusters because, for marketing because all they do is some experiments. So I don't need to be stringent for them. And then you have people who are just writing code, developers. So you need a blueprint for a cluster because each cluster may need different things. How do you do that? Uh, it's not easy. Uh, it sounds easy. You know, there's no kind of health chart for health charts. Um, what do I do then? These are some of the problems, right? So if you really spend time talking to the, to, to the DevOps community, these are some of the things they, that they struggle with. And today they all take a bunch of open source tools and try to build something for themselves. Uh, some do it very elegantly. Some just never get to that level of perfection because they are so busy. And this is my pitch to every customer. My entire team, all of us, we do one thing. We, we, we do one thing. We help you run your containerized applications. Mm-hmm. You will have 50 things to do. Let me help you with this, right? Let us be an extension of your team. Let us, you know, really take this one uh, stress away from you. Uh, of course, pay, pay money for that. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but focus on the things that are more important to the company because, uh, you know, getting the right uh, script in place or whatever in place just so you can run your Kubernetes environments better, this is not why you make money. If your competitors all ended up buying from uh, a vendor to solve this problem versus build it themselves, they're not going to probably sell a single more unit of widget that you're selling. Right? Focus on the value. Don't focus on the very complex but effectively undifferentiated work. Well, what you're saying makes a lot of sense of why rebuild it all yourself, why learn all the hard lessons that others might have learned. And I take it that you do things through your abstraction layer also with your blueprinting, uh, essentially kind of creating what we might think of in softwares. Here's patterns that we might use. Here's blueprints yeah. we might use for different clusters. And I know a common mistake I've seen happen is it's really easy to throw everything into one cluster. And then I start to say, well, that doesn't work. Well, how do I start dividing it up into, besides just geographic location, what are the other techniques for doing that? So those are the kind of things that you're bringing to the table with Rafa. Yeah, correct? absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure many of us continue to have the design patterns book from college on our shelves, right? Sure. Um, <laughs> um, that that's the idea, right? Some things are um, uh, best done in a in a in a specific way, and if there's a if there's a way to do that, it's a, if it's a best practice way to do it, uh, you do it. Now, every company may have their own quote unquote uh, blueprints, and that's okay. But let's help you uh, manage those better. In effect, you know, and, and this is fundamentally we've talked about tactically what uh, what Rafi is selling today. But if we fast forward three, five years, we, we sell something today, but we still have to have like a, a raison d'etre, right? Why, why are we doing this? I think fundamentally, there is a system of record needed in our industry that maybe doesn't exist as well as it could. Where is that one place in the company where I can go and say, hey, uh, where's my app running right now? Uh, how is it doing? Three months ago, how was it? Who changed what last time? Where is that information today? It's in people's heads, sure. 
uh, it's in a Git repository. We all talk about GitOps, right? Which means somebody wrote a script and checked it into a, a Git repo. Hmm. Uh, yeah, but maybe the guy who wrote that script left six months ago. Now, who understands that script? That That is a very common occurrence. People write scripts and then they move on to the next job. Um, where is that system of record? Where is that system of governance for, for an application? Now, particularly with containers, uh, there is an opportunity to very elegantly address that problem, right? Have a system that allows you to do that. One system where somebody who's non-technical can log in and say, hey, just from a compliance perspective, is this app running on all the right clusters right now or not? One shot, can I, can I know that? That is where I think we will all go as a community. And you know, as I kind of think through uh, you know, what are those breadcrumbs to get us there, some of the things that we are working on uh, as, a, as a product company today, uh, my hope is that we get there. We get the opportunity as Rafe to build that system of record that people will, will really treat as a strategic system for their own companies. Mm-hmm. Anybody in the company should be, come and be able to come and look at, hey, where's my, what is the status of my app right now? Well, how has it, it changed in the last month? That to me is such, a, such a, an important and worthy goal to be focused on. Uh, let's see how, you know, what it takes for us as a group to get there. But that man, that, I mean, somebody needs to go solve that problem. Now, and I haven't used your product, but one of the things that I found really intriguing about um, how you, your go-to-market and how you talk about it on your website is you actually present use cases, things more than just generic things, but something specific to like factory operations for IoT and customer experience app, modernizing in-store retail experiences, 5G edge deployments. Are, are those part of the kind of blueprints of, of what you talk about or is that more you know, in a broader scale, here's, here's how we might advise you about how to implement containerized cluster environment. So, so these are the business use cases uh, that, are, and you, the, the last one you talked about this retail use case, it's a fascinating uh, problem. Many retailers are out there talking to larger vendors and, and in cases to their uh, manitos providers who happen to be large telcos. Uh, and they've asked the question, hey, I want to deliver a better experience inside my store. You know, is the point of sale system in a retail store up or not? Very simple question. How do you find out? You can't run these tests from out of the store because that's a private network, basically. So I want to run an app inside my store. Oh, yeah? Where do I run it? Where, where is this infrastructure? This is not a, a distant data center here. They have probably one rack in the back somewhere, maybe with one or two machines. So then maybe I should run containers here, but then who's going to manage my containers because I have a thousand stores? It's not one. And if I have to send IT people to every store to deploy an application and upgrade it regularly, well, I need an army now, right? It's just a small question. I need to run a small, tiny 200 lines of code app. Mm-hmm. It becomes this big thing. Well, what, a, what, a, what an interesting problem, but this is a real problem. Like think about any retail uh, location where they have a lot of refrigeration uh, capability. They're selling ice cream or they're selling whatever drinks and whatnot. If any one of these refrigeration units is not working, you lose a lot of money. And of course, it's a bad, bad, right? So they run these sensors. Okay, who's collecting this data? Where is the sensor running? Is it a tiny little sensor? But then the sensor data has to be collected maybe locally. Okay, what do I do now? Right? All of these small things, there are, these are real business problems that kind of snowball into this bigger problem around application management. Right? So if, I, and if you can consider, if we called a retail store or some you know, head office for some retailer and said, hey, uh, do you want to buy a container management platform or lifecycle management containerized app? Like, what is a container? I don't know. Mm. <laughs> right? yeah. There are people know, but they may not know. Right? But they understand this problem. 
right? It's like, I need to run apps here because this is how I'm going to make more money. Um, I want to provide a better online and offline experience to my customers. Mm-hmm. That's that opportunity, right? So, so that's why as we hear use cases, as we partner with different companies and we see very specific repetitive use cases come up again and again, our hope is that we continue to list them on the website. So it's more meaningful for even the, you know, the business or, or more kind of you know, non-technical people in the company to come to a website like this and understand why, you know, their engineers are talking to us, for example. You uh, describe yourself as a SaaS-based company. It's a SaaS service. Do you also provide any operations support and kind of outsource of operations too, or is it strictly a service that others then operate on top of your SaaS? So this is, it's a service and we do provide kind of more of a solution architecture model where we uh, essentially assist in our customers thinking through how they're going to consume a platform like this, right? Mm -hmm. Because a platform like this is not, it's not a box that you plug into your, your network, if you will. This is, a, this is a strategic conversation where you're thinking about how to um, embed it in some way into your processes or in, into your you know, own organization. So there's some level of consultative conversations that are happening up front, definitely, and, then, and on an ongoing basis also. But from an operations perspective, we don't see that when Rafa is fundamentally a software company. You know, it's a lot of pre-sales support on the solution side. We are continuing to engage with a number of companies who excel at that, who look at Rafe as an enabler, not just for themselves, but for their, their customers to whom they're delivering a broader service. So I think systems integrators, um, you know, DevOps consulting organizations who, whether Rafe exists or not, they are solving this problem anywhere for their customers, right? Mm-hmm. So those companies look at us as, a, as an accelerator for their own services and for their own offerings. So that's been how we've been approaching the market so we can maintain a, a high margin business and be effectively a software company. That's what we know how to do well. Uh, mm-hmm. But there's so many great organizations out there who have an incredible skill set as it relates to operations and, cons- and, uh, and uh, you know, integration. That's where we step back and partner with somebody. And at that point, we are a tool in their tool chain and they go deliver a great experience to their customers. Very good, that helps a lot. So talk about who your most ideal customer would be. Is it a, is it a large enterprise, medium to large? Uh, kind of what kind of an organization would say, this is exactly what I need. Come help me. In theory, this is a horizontal problem. Anybody who's doing, uh, you know, running containerized applications has this issue. But fundamentally what we, at every stage, different stages in the company, we look for different kinds of companies in terms of just, you know, low-hanging food, et cetera. What we find works well today is, you know, relatively mature organizations uh, who are doing, um, you know, somewhere between a couple of hundred million to a billion dollars in revenue. Uh, they are modernizing their applications, um, moving to the cloud, becoming more and more cloud native. And um, they're the ones who are very interested in moving fast because uh, there's some, usually there's some business reason why they're doing this. They're not just modernizing for the sake of modernizing. There's competitive pressure. There's cost pressure. They may need to be in different parts of the world, et cetera. There's reasons why they need to be up and about quickly. And they will look for any shortcut to get them there. Shortcut mm-hmm. in, in this case would be, you know, hey, I could build this myself. Should I? Right. Sure. And f- what I just said, right, this is a question we, we in some way, shape or form, always uh, want to highlight to our customers, which is, hey, you have a really strong engineering bench. You can do anything. Should you do everything? 
do you still build data centers? And that, of course, that is one of, that's a, you know, asking the question, are you still using building data centers? That's a straw man, of course, because, hey, I mean, maybe other than 100 companies in the world, and nobody's building data centers anymore. Right, but right. It, it makes a point. In our industry, we continue to go up the stack in terms of abstractions, right? I mean, all the way from, you know, I mean, assembly to up and now we're, you know, nobody's building, you know, uh, subnets anymore, private subnets, public subnets, you just uh, make an API call and you get one in Amazon, right? Why, why am I building this stuff? Mm-hmm. Similarly, you know, we're providing them yet another level of abstraction, which allows them to move faster. Because fundamentally, the name of the game is, hey, if I don't move fast, if I don't produce product fast, I'm going to lose. Now, I know you support uh, AWS, Azure, et cetera, VMware. Is there a particular environment that you're best suited for? Like you're, if you're a VMware customer, you're gonna, we're going to connect right into your environment, or is there a technology stack that's more easily for you to integrate than others? So this is a, this is a very uh, uh, agnostic platform. I mean, your environment, environments can be anywhere. And I'll, I'll highlight a specific thing that we've, we've uh, we thought through and we implemented as part of the platform. Um, so let's assume for a minute that it's a mature organization. They do have some hybrid environments. So they maybe have some uh, electronic setup and they're running VMware there. And they also have Amazon. And that's okay, right? So... Um, in one environment, maybe they're using PKS from VMware, PKS Essentials from VMware. But in Amazon, they're using EKS because that's what Amazon sells uh, for Kubernetes. Hey, now what do I do? Am I going to build two sets of platforms to support two different environments? Not a lot of people do that. Hope or with a, with a platform like ours, what we say is, hey, just look, if you, don't, if you have an opinion on Kubernetes, go with it. And essentially, we'll add value on top of your existing Kubernetes throughout the Rafi operator. So there's a Kubernetes concept called, called an operator. Uh, mm-hmm. Or if you don't care, and if you say to us, hey, you know what, just bring me the, I don't know, whatever the, the latest upstream Kubernetes is, 115.1, whatever, just bring that. No problem, we'll, we'll work with that also. But for our SaaS platform to help you manage your environments behind a firewall in a data center or behind a security group in Amazon, you don't mm-hmm. ever have to open a single port on the firewall for us to get in from outside. The entire system is designed to be secure such that there are uh, sessions being launched from inside out. So the, your clusters run an agent basically they, that reach out and broker all the connectivity uh, without you know, making a security issue kind of pop up on the security team's radar. So this is another thing, by the way, Any, anybody listening to this podcast thinking about some sort of a multi-cluster, multi-cloud solution, please let's make sure that uh, we're not signing up for a vendor who's asking us to make maybe the, not the best decisions when it comes to security and asking us to open a port, setting up IPsec links, you know, bad, bad, all of these are bad ideas that will eventually lead to other problems that you haven't thought about today. So these are some of the things where understanding enterprise security, understanding enterprise problems are uh, important upfront to be thought through these things and we designed a platform to be able to work not just in any environment, but work in these environments in a very secure fashion. Well, certainly, I think with all of your experience, you can help de-risk things and provide kind of a framework or a path for enterprises. Well, unfortunately, you've run out of, out of time. <laughs> I see if you feel like we could talk about this for another hour and a half and share a lot of good stories about it too. Uh, I'd like to thank you. Thanks for being on the webcast. Uh, the uh, podcaster. Thanks for yeah, thanks for uh, having me. It was a really fun conversation. Look forward to talking again soon. Yeah, I do too. Keep us informed about any new news. So I'd like to thank our guest today, Hasib Budhani, CEO and co-founder of Rafay. 
And I'd also like to thank, of course, you, our listeners, for joining us today. This is Mitch Ashley with DevOps.com, and you've listened to another DevOps Chat podcast. Be careful out there.